We are committed to a singular idea that inspired, encouraged, and equipped Christian leaders create thriving local churches passionate about redeeming their communities for Christ. This is the heartbeat of Willow Creek Association. Everyone has influence. The question isn't whether you have influence. The question is whether you are stewarding it or not. We believe the local church is the hope of the world, but only when it's working right. And for it to work right, it must be well-led. The stakes are high. This is why the Global Leadership Summit was born. The summit is a two-day world-class experience for serious-minded leaders who want to get better. It is intellectually rigorous, it is creatively inspiring, and the summit is unapologetically Christ-centered. Every year, WCA carefully curates a faculty of top leadership experts across a variety of sectors. Church, business, nonprofit, academic, and government. Because we believe that leaders can learn from anyone. An aspect that sets the summit apart is our intentionality to engage not just a leader's mind, but also their heart. Leaders don't just leave equipped, they leave inspired. For many of the two million leaders we've trained, the summit is not just one of many leadership experiences they have each year, it's the experience. So each year, hundreds of host sites step up and partner with us to leverage the summit and impact leaders in their church and community. There is something powerful that happens when leaders gather in their own context. And we believe that in this shared experience, everyone wins when a leader gets better. At WCA, we have a deep conviction that it's unacceptable for geography or economic means to limit leaders' access to the Global Leadership Summit. Every church that hosts, every individual who attends, every person who gives, makes it possible for leaders around the world to have access to the summit who wouldn't otherwise. This is why the Global Leadership Summit takes place in 1,375 plus cities, 128 countries, and 60 languages, so that leaders across the globe can experience the summit in their own unique cultural context. The summit is an unprecedented global movement of Christian leaders making lasting change in the world. In the decades to come, it will become even more critical that the local church is working right. The church is still God's plan to redeem and restore our broken world. And it all starts when God transforms a leader. This morning, I'm, we're, we're calling this Summit Weekend, and so I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry you on a journey uh, so that you can understand a vision that I believe God gave me way, way back 22 years ago when we planted the church, and so like now, I believe the time is right. And so this, the Global Leadership Summit birthed out of Willow Creek Church in Chicago, Illinois, so that's a Christian church. Uh, it's a church of about twenty to 30,000 people, so it's a, like a struggling church, and so we pray for them often. And so, uh, and so this, this vision about what would happen if our, if our church became the place to where they ministered to the city, and as a result of that, families got better, businesses got better, and cities got better. And so they, they approached us like five years ago that would we consider hosting the summit here. And so for whatever reason, I didn't feel that the time was right, whether it was a staffing issue, whether it's where we were as a church. And so we'd had this ongoing dialogue for the last five years, and we finally got to the place to where I felt like God gave us like the green light to go. 
And I really believe within the community, I'm going to talk about that in a second, some of the things that are going on in our community right now, that really and truly the time is right. Now, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, 7, and then 2 Kings 6 and 7 is where we're going to be. I'm going to read out a Jeremiah passage now, and then it's going to be a ways before we look at 2 Kings 6 and 7, because I want you to get a taste of the summit, because I understand then when I talk about this, a lot of you have no frame of reference, the quality or what I'm talking about. So Jeremiah 29, 7 says this. It says, it says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So the scripture teaches us this from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. We're supposed to be concerned with the city in which God's placed us. In other, word, what, in other words, one of the ways we, fu- we phrase that here at Fellowship of the Rockies is this, Pueblo, Colorado should be a better place because we're here. And not only because of us, because, but because of some other Bible-believing churches in our community. That, 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 that the church, this, I'm sorry, the city should be better because there, there's a church here and we, we care about our city. So the Bible tells us that we as Christians, that we're supposed to seek the good, we're supposed to seek the welfare of the city, we pray for our leaders, we encourage our leaders, we respect our leaders, uh, we serve, and, and all of those other things. And so the Global Leadership Summit will not be a success without you. In other words, to birth this the way that God intends us to birth it, I, I'm going to need you. And the only way this is going to be successful is, is with you. And so it seems like over these... <coughs> sorry, I still have a cough. Uh, it seems like over, these last, over this last year that I've met with more and more and more community leaders, business leaders, talking about the challenges, the issues that they face. I'll explain more about that later. But I, I want you to understand that, that it is our goal to bring business, government, the academic world uh, together and begin talking about this issue of leadership and other churches. That what, if, what would happen if Fellowship of the Rockies could lift the bar of leadership and we all got better? Whether it's how we lead in our homes, how we lead in our businesses, how we lead in the local church. And so because of that, we realize that there are many people within our church right now that are going to leverage this uh, for, for their company. Whether they're bringing in a human resources uh, a department, whether they're bringing their salespeople, whether they're bringing a leadership team. Because the, the level of this, of this summit is unbelievable what you'll learn. But because we're bringing all different types of people together, I want you to hear uh, Bill Hybels' opening to try to set the tone for this event. So here's Bill Hybels. I want to welcome all of you to the 22nd Annual Global, Global Leadership Summit. Today, as you've already heard, you're a part of a global gathering that will train and energize over 300,000 people in 128 countries. Now, our mission in the upcoming hours is absolutely clear. We're going to try to stretch your minds and fill your hearts and grow your leadership. We say it every year. You'll hear it multiple times. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. And you're going to get better. You just watch. I don't have to remind you this year that the stakes of leadership are sky high. Our troubled world is calling out for a better brand of leadership these days. Leadership that will unite instead of divide. Leadership that will build up instead of tear down. Our world is wondering if there are any leaders left who will put the interest of others before their own self-interest. Our globe groans 
as it awaits the arrival of leaders who will put bold, workable solutions on the table instead of incessantly kicking the can down the street. We believe that you are not here by accident. We believe that it was your destiny to be sitting in the seat you're in right now, facing the exact set of circumstances that you're facing. For what it's worth, you have been prayed for by more people with greater fervency than any other summit in our history. Our president, Gary Schwamlein, has made sure of that. Now, as you veterans know, the highest value here at the summit is humility. Humility. Each and every one of us declaring at the outset that we have so much more to learn about this mysterious, powerful force called leadership. For years, I have drummed into every single summit attender that armed with enough humility, leaders can actually learn from anyone. Pastors can learn from business leaders, and business leaders can learn from pastors. Armed with enough humility, the older among us can learn from the younger and the younger from the older. In fact, with sufficient levels of humility, the religious among us can learn from those who consider themselves less religious at this stage in their lives, and vice versa. It's all about learning, gang. And while this event emanates from the stage of a Christian church in Chicago, we make it very clear every single year that we hold sincere respect for all of you who choose to worship differently than we do. We hold sincere respect for those of you that choose not to worship at all these days. We simply request that you would afford those of us who are trying to follow Jesus Christ that same sincere respect in return. So when we say a prayer now and then, or we sing a Christian song here and there, we humbly ask for a spirit of understanding and openness. And if we were to grant each other these good gifts of respect, these upcoming hours will, will result in amazing works of God, we believe, in our hearts. Before I take you through 2 Kings 6 and 7 and help you understand what God has done in my heart over this, this last year, there's a couple other videos I'd like to see, show you just real quickly. One is, is just from a, a local church pers, uh, pastor's perspective. In fact, is it several pastors' perspective? What happened in their community when they hosted this for their church, for other churches, and for the community? And here it is. The Global Leadership Summit's not just another event, it's a resource to be leveraged. The uniqueness of the summit is that I get to be a part of something that's so much greater than what we can do by ourselves. I think some of our most vibrant ministries are led by people who call a vision for leading at the summit. Our church got better, our community relations got better, and then our global awareness increased. To have so many volunteers galvanize around one initiative has a ripple effect that flows into our ministry initiatives that we do day to day, week in, week out. This is a way to reach people that might not ever darken the door of the church. People that are working in the business world realize that, you know, the church really is the hope of the world. And I'm a part of that. We've seen transformation over and over again, so we're deeply committed to it as a long-term strategy. There's been no other event in our city where church, business, organizational, and educational leaders come together to get better. As Bill Heibel says, when a leader gets better, everybody wins. People around you get better, your organization gets better, and if your organization gets better, 
your city gets better. We think of major days in our calendar. We think of Christmas, Easter, and the Global Leadership Summit. A lot of people are skeptical at first because it's just a screen, and they're like, yeah, this will never work. You know, we found just the opposite. We know it works because we've seen it happen over and over again. It doesn't matter where you are on this planet. The leadership principles that we're taught here are the same wherever you are. The summit creates a catalytic event for our weekend attendees to open up their life and allow God to speak to them in a fresh, unique way. The leadership team for the GLS, I never realized how much they would want to be pouring into what we're doing as a local church. And it's impacted every area of our ministry. We partner with a local public school, a relationship with a local prison, we partner with our social service agencies, and all this came out of the summit. It's just some of the finest leadership content in the world. There is no other event where I can make a direct impact in the city that I care about so much. So one last video before we look at 2 Kings 6 and 7 is the impact that it's had on the marketplace in the areas where people have attended this. The summit is a fire hydrant drink of content. It's the best in terms of the quality, the experience, always has the biggest impact. My impressions were so overwhelming. There is so much to be learned. The Leadership Summit gives leaders the full experience of how they can get better. I've taken hundreds of people to this event over the years. They all thought it was worth it. I mean, you're going to learn from this event, for sure. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to show your team how much you want to develop them as leaders. The focus is on leaders, no matter the context. I really don't know why more businesses wouldn't take advantage of the opportunity. I just say try it. I think you're going to love it. One of the things I love about the summit is that they really are trying to energize and equip business leaders in our community, school teachers, single parents, anybody. It's such a great tool for businesses to leverage. There is nowhere else that I've seen that you can get the same amount of leadership training at such a great value in such a short amount of time. You are going to learn things there from literally some of the best content providers in the world. There's Christian leaders, there's non-Christian leaders. I've learned from every single one of them. How are we going to get better? How do we empower our people? How do we deal with unhealthy dynamics? How do you, you know, either make hard decisions about firing or hiring? I think you'll find it to be one of the richest, most productive leadership development opportunities you have available to you. When leaders get exposed to great leaders leading at every level, everybody in your organization gets better. This is probably the best business leadership conference in the world. There's just no comparing where you're going to be able to leverage your resources better. You can tell there's more hope in the air in our community. So 2 Kings 6 and 7, it, it, was, it was about a year ago when we were life journaling together as a church and we, we came to 2 Kings 6 and 7. And, and God just used that story just to to do something in my heart. And he just drilled this story down into my heart. And so, um, so this, this is a narrative. And so because it's a narrative, I'm going I'm to teach it in a, in a narrative form, and I'm going to help you understand the story. And not only that, but I, I'm telling you, all three services have all felt the same. I'm about ready to mesmerize you with my artistic ability. I'm, for the very first time, I'm going to draw for you, and you're going to wonder, why did he ever choose ministry if he can draw like that? And so some of the diagrams that I'm going to draw are going to come up on, on, the, on the side screen. But So 2 Kings 6 and 7, here, here's the context. Here's what was going on. The king of Syria gets upset with, with the city of Samaria. 
And so the king of Syria decides, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the city. I'm going to capture the city, and I'm going to take the city. And so if you know anything about a battle plan in the Old Testament, when they decided to take a city, they, they, would, they would take a city much differently than, than how we would take a city in, in our world. So here, let me draw the city for you. You guys are disappointing me. In the Thank you. In the earlier service... People were oohing and aahing all the way through this. It's just amazing. There are the gates. So, so there's the city. Okay? So now listen, I, I know we've seen old movies of castles and that kind of thing, and we're used to the walls of a city that are straight up and down. People scale those walls and surprise the guards, and they take the city. Well, see, that's really not how architecture was done in their days. That's not how uh, cities were built in their days. If you ever get to go to Israel, you'll learn that they built the city walls differently to keep the city safe and so that nobody could penetrate it. And as a result, what they did with the walls is, instead of them going straight up and down, they just, they just sloped. It was just this, it, I mean, they'd be 90, 100 feet tall, but it would slope all the way down. And that way, the guards on top of the wall that were protecting the city, they could, watch, they could see people coming. And when they saw people coming to take the city, they'd simply take a large rock and roll it over on them, shoot them with an arrow or something like that. And so a city was seen as being a place that you could not penetrate. As a result of that, the king of Syria says, we're, we're going to take the city, but we're going to do it differently. So they, they march in, and they immediately cut off food and water. And all of a sudden, the city realized there, there's an attack going on, so they... They closed the front door. That's, that's me drawing it there. They closed it more than once. And so they closed the front door. And then about 200 yards in front of the city, they stationed all of their men. That's them lined up there. Looks more like a river, I know. It's amazing, right? And so they, they, they stationed their men there. They're about 100 to 200 yards away. And so I, I don't know if you know this or not, but in their day, they had snipers with arrows. Snipers in their day could shoot an arrow, and they were accurate to 300 yards. Amazing. So they, they, would, they would station their men there. They wouldn't let anybody come in or anybody go out. No food to be brought in, no water to be brought in. They had, they had cut off the city. And so let me tell you what was going on in the city. When they did this, and there was no longer food and water, chaos breaks out in the city. That's that there. It was so bad it even spilled over. <laughs> and so there's chaos in the city. And so you know what happened to the economy? The economy tanks. People are losing their jobs. Inflation is like at an all-time high. Crime and is as happening because you know what? They're they're just trying to survive. Fact is, it's such a sad story, but people were taking advantage of others in this situation. You know what they were doing? They were taking their, their farm animals, the, the wealthy people were taking their farm animals, they were slaughtering them, and then they were they were selling them to other people at a very high rate. Fact is, if you just equate it to American dollars to today's dollars, they would take a, a donkey's head and they would sell it for about $8,000 so someone could feed their family. And so now you've got, you've got all this stuff going on. You've got chaos in the city. And, and these guys on the outside, they're just waiting for either them to panic and come out or they just to die a slow death. Well, things get so bad, and I know this is gross, but it's in Scripture. Things get so bad that the Scripture says they started eating their children. 
Things are, things are bad when you start eating the kids, right? Don't post that, please. Don't tweet that. But that's what was happening. You know what they were doing? They were destroying the next generation. In their dysfunction, the next generation didn't have a shot. The city's in chaos. One day the king of the city is walking on the walls of the city. He's walking on the walls of the city and there's, there's this lady and this lady's angry. And so she looks up at him and she says, King, which one of your children will we eat tomorrow? And it broke his heart. He didn't know this was going on. And it broke his heart. And he said, what do you mean? And she explained. You know what this king does? And you can read the story for yourself, 2 Kings 6 and 7. And so you know what this king does? He does something that he's never done before. He goes to the local church. A lot of times crises in cities drive cities, governments, and people to the local church when they don't have an answer. This was his king. And so he goes, and he goes to a local church. He finds a pastor, and he says, here's what's going on. We don't have an answer. We don't know what to do. The city is in crisis. Could you, could you pray and, and help me understand what God wants us to do? And so this prophet says, of course. And so the prophet began, Jeremiah 29, 7, that we're to pray for the city, we're to seek the welfare of the city, and in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. That's what this guy was doing. <coughs> in conjunction with that, the very next day, were these four lepers. And I don't know if you know anything about a leper, but a leper was an outcast of society in their days. A leper was not seen as anyone that had anything to add to society. They were really seen as a drain on society, and they would think that no answer is going to come out of a, out of a leper. And so these four lepers are, are at the city gate, and they're having a conversation. So one leper turns to the other three and says, you know what, the way I see it, we really have two options. We can either stay in the city and just die a slow death, <coughs> or we can walk out that gate. What's the worst that's going to happen to us? We're either going to die in here or maybe die out there. Or maybe, what if? What if the Syrian army had pity on us and had grace on us and mercy? What if they let us live? He says, you know what? I'd rather that option. I'm going to go out the gate. I'm going to walk towards the army. I'm going to see what's going to happen. You guys with me? The other three guys says, no way. Too great of a risk. So, so that leper swung open the gate. And begin walking. That's him walking. I know. I'm self-taught. <coughs> he gets about halfway. His three buddies are watching. And you know what they notice? He didn't get shot. He didn't get arrested. Fact is, nothing's happening. So they decided, we'll join him. And so all the lepers together start making their way out to the front lines. They get all the way to the front lines. And you know what they realize? The army's not there. Fact is, nobody's there. It's like 
is like vacant. And it's like they left so quickly, they left everything. They left the gold, they left the silver, they left their weapons, they left uh, their clothes, they left their food, they left their tents, and they realized that they're gone. You know what happened? God answered that pastor's prayer. And that night, before the first leper left, God sent a loud noise in the night. And it so scared the Syrian army that they fled and they left everything. All of a sudden, these lepers realizing what had taken place, they had a party. They began putting on their clothes. They began eating their food. They began drinking their water. They began going through their stuff and taking the gold and silver and putting it in bags and stashing it off to the side. I mean, for them, this is like a bonanza. For them, this is a party. For them, this is a celebration. And so they are having this party. And all of a sudden, the leper, that it was his idea to leave in the first place, that leper looks at his three buddies, and, and all of a sudden, now he's somber. And he's, he's like, guys, what we are doing is not right. What we are doing is wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, the city? The city's in chaos. We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves? We're supposed to minister to them? They're dying a slow death. This, guys, we cannot keep this to ourselves. You see, there's a brand of Christianity that's in America now that says that my Christianity never leads me to serve someone, never leads me to find a place of ministry, never leads me to love my neighbor as myself and minister to them and live out my Christianity in my actions. See, the, the, the great commandment says, or, the, or the, the great commission, I'm sorry, in Matthew 28, says that we're to, we're to go. We're to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you look at that verse in the Greek, the imperative, the command, is not on the baptizing, it's on the going. Fact is, in the Greek, it literally means this, as you're going, as you're going into your neighborhood, as you're going into your home, as you're going into the community, as you're going into your career, your profession, your company, make disciples, live out your Christian beliefs, understand that your Christian beliefs and my Christian beliefs should drive us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Here's what happened. This leper says, we got to go. So they all get together, and I won't put you through the pain of me drawing them going back into the city. They go back into the city. They ask to meet with the king. They, ask the, they, they tell the king, here's what happened. He didn't believe them. And they says, you've you got to believe us. And he says, well, I'll, <coughs> he said, well I'll, I'll send a couple of men with you to verify your story. He did that. They realized that um, the army was gone. And as a result of that, they opened up the front gates. The floodgates happened. People ran out. They, they had plenty of food and water to drink. They, they had riches, and, and I mean, they were blessed. And can you imagine the satisfaction of those four lepers leaning up against the wall, saying, they were blessed because of us. God used us. See the danger of having a brand of Christianity that never leads me, leads me to serve, 
never leads me to get involved in someone's life, never leads me to love my neighbor as myself, is you miss out on the opportunity of getting to see God use you, knowing that he can use you. And so there's this party happening. Man, I don't know about you. I want to be like that leper. And our, 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 our city right now, listen, let me just tell you. I've had conversation after conversation after conversation with business leaders, government leaders, political people about the condition of our city. And I don't think our city is any different than any other city in America. And they use words like it's broken, it's dysfunctional. And, and behind the scenes, you know what some of them are saying? We don't know what to do. And can I just tell you? we got a generation coming up that's struggling, may not have a future. We, we presented this to the Latino Chamber of Commerce, the Greater Chamber of Commerce. I'll talk about that later. And we have momentum happening in this community of business leaders and, and people out of government and academic and nonprofits and everywhere else. Saying, how could we leverage this for our community? About a month ago, a, 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 a community leader called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm not like a church person. I, I don't go to church, but is there any way you would meet me for lunch and we just talk? And I said, absolutely. And if I told you his name, everybody in this room would know who I'm talking about. And so I agreed. I said, I'll, I'll meet you. He gave me the restaurant. He gave me the time. And he obviously had gotten there early so he could make sure we had a table away from everybody. And when I went into the restaurant, I mean, it was like an area of the restaurant that normally isn't open during the lunch hour. And uh, he was seated off to himself. And so I went up and sat at the table. And, and so we had a conversation and he told me some challenges in his life and what he's going through. And, and, and so we talked about some very personal stuff. And then it made its way over to, to our community. And so he told me some challenges and some things, and he says, he says, for the first time, and there's a lot of government leaders that are now looking to the church for an answer because we don't know what to do. He said, so as a pastor, what, what is your observation? What is your perspective? And so I said, can I, can I be just brutally honest? And he said, sure. And I says, well, one of the, one of the things, honestly, that I see is that, because that, I'm, I'm in and out of a lot of these circles, is that we just seem to, we just seem to be so divided in a lot of areas, and there's a lot of people trying to do some good, but they're not working together and not coordinating together. And then they, like, talk about each other and criticize each other. And, and so my perspective is, is, is unity, and I gave him some scripture and told him how that had worked in the Bible and some other places. And so he just looked at me. Didn't, he just he glared at me. And so I, I was worried that I overstepped my bounds or, you know, when you ask someone, can I be honest, and then you're honest, and you're, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been honest. And and so, uh, so he says, well, okay. He said, can I be honest with you about the church world? He said, now listen, I'm, I'm not a church person. I don't, have a, I don't have a dog in this fight, but can I, can I just be honest with you? I said, sure. When I look into the church world, I see the same thing. The churches in Pueblo are divided. And I said, you know what? Welcome to my world. Someone gets upset with a pastor, 
They criticize their pastor. They criticize other pastors. They talk about other churches. They criticize other churches, and, and they forget we're all on the same team. It's not about an individual church. It's about the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. So he says, well, what if you led for unity in the church world? I'll lead for unity in the business world, the government. I said, okay, I'll take that challenge because in a way it's convicting. I'll take that challenge. So I rushed back to the office and got Crystal, who is one of our assistants, and I says, I need a list of every church in Pueblo and surrounding areas that we minister to. And, and that are like-minded and, you know, all this other stuff. And we went through, you know, that Bible-believing, believe in the Trinity, you know, you know salvation, that, that whole deal. And then we're going to invite them to a, what we're going to call a taste of the summit. We're going to invite the pastor and their spouse, and then we're going to bribe them with food. Because I'm telling you, with pastors, I think they were born with like a fork in their mouth. Because you, you offer them food, they're showing up. <laughs> and so we're going to do a really nice continental breakfast, and I'm going to do a... And then we're going to give them a taste of the summit and say, what would happen if we could just lift, if we could lead our churches better and we could show unity? I'm not asking for combined worship services or combined ministries because that's just so complicated with the different preferences of ministry. But could we just at least come together, love one another, pray for one another, know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and support one another? And so, so we, we sent that letter out. And so, so it may shock you, it shocked me. There's approximately 130 churches in Pueblo. It just shocked me that there's that many. I mean, because, you know, it's Methodist and, and Presbyterian and, and uh, Lutheran and Charismatic and non-Charismatic and Independent and Bible-believing. Then, then you get to the Baptist world. The Baptist world is complicated because you got, you got Southern Baptist, you got Independent Baptist, you got King James-only Baptist, you got New American Baptist. And so it's kind of like the Forrest Gump of the church world. You got your jumbo shrimp, you got your coconut shrimp, you got your fried shrimp, you know. And so you just got all these different flavors. So we invited them all. And so out of 100, approximately 130, you know how many churches responded to us? One. One. Just for a conversation. So Pastor Josh over here at Pueblo Christian Center, he's just a fine young man. I think the world of him and his staff, uh, they're going to be at the summit with us, and their staff is going to be seated alongside of our staff, and together we're going to learn how to lead our churches better. But you know what? If God just gives me one, I'll start with that. Amen. We'll, we'll start somewhere. And we'll just start showing unity. And what can happen when we just show unity uh, in the church and in, in, in the community? Community. I mean, it's Jeremiah 29.7. And I, I think, listen, I'm telling you, I believe that from planting this church that God has called us to reach this city. So let's just be honest. When in, in the new facility, we're going to have 1,000 seats. We're like 90,000 seats short. It's going to take other churches because it's about the kingdom. It is about the kingdom. It's not about any one church. It is about the kingdom. And what would happen? I'm telling you, the business world is excited about Comcast, just recently came to me and said, hey, listen, we're so behind this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you free advertising until, until the summit, August 10th and 11th. And so when, on the Weather Channel, when it goes to local weather, then on the crawler, we're going to advertise this uh, all the way up. I mean, it's an unbelievable cost. It's an unbelievable donation that they make. 
We have other businesses and other things that are trying to figure out how to leverage this for their business to bring an HR department, an executive. We have people within our church that we've had conversation with a conversation about how they can leverage this for not only for their company so their company can get better, but also uh, so that individuals get better and families get better. Uh, I don't know if you, you, can, you can decide what to make of this. I can I, just tell you the story. I, I have my opinion. This last week, I was at the Pueblo Greater Chamber of Commerce, and they were gracious and allowed me two to three minutes to present this, and then we, we gave away a, a ticket, a, a registration for this as a result of that. And so, so I, I did the spiel. I did a two to three minute deal. And then after that, an individual came up to me, and he says, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. And he like looks around to make sure like nobody's listening. And he says, hey. He said, I'm a believer. I'm like, you don't have to whisper. <laughs> We're not going to get shot here. <laughs> he said, I'm a, I'm a believer. And he said, uh, as you were speaking, he said, God spoke to me in my spirit, not an audible voice, but he spoke to me in my spirit. That fellowship, the Rockies may be the key to leading the way in this in church and government and business. And so I, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I don't attend your church. I attend another church. But I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Now, Scripture tells us when that happens, you, you test the Spirit. And you know what? And honestly, time will tell. Whatever you believe about that, I find that encouraging. So here's simply what I'm asking. I'm asking that you would prayerfully consider supporting this. Because I'm telling you, without this, it will not happen. With, with, without you, it will not happen. Without you, this will not be a success. And this will not only help you personally in your areas of leadership, in your areas uh, of, of your responsibility, but it's going to help you in ministry and life. And so I, I, just, I just want you to see the unbelievable lineup of people that will be speaking at this year's summit. And here it is.
I'm actually asking, I believe, for a favor. I don't think in my 22 years of ministry here I've asked for many favors. The last favor, the fact is I'm, I'm more comfortable giving favors and doing favors for people than I am asking for a favor. And I think the last favor that I asked for is last August when we discovered my daughter had a brain tumor and I asked you guys to pray for her. And so let me just real quickly give you a, tell you a thank you and give you a little bit of up, update. She recently had an MRI and she had another complete clear scan where there's no sign of tumor, there's no sign of cancer. And so we're, we're praising God for that to the extent that in August she'll have another MRI. She's still on chemo, but in August she'll have another MRI. If that MRI is clean then they're going to look at the possibility of reducing the grade of tumor and reducing the aggressiveness of tumor that, that they first diagnosed her for. So August is like, is like a big deal for us, and so continue to pray for her. But other than that, I haven't asked for many favors, and I am. I'm asking for a favor. I'm asking for a favor that you would support this. Because this is something, I mean, I, I just so often think about how we could be like the lepers and what satisfaction we would have when we sit back and we watch a city get blessed because of us. I'm not asking anybody for money. Uh, that's kind of interesting of a church. Whenever I go into the business world or even the chamber and some other places, they're always asking, what's the catch? Are you asking for a donation? Are you wanting money? No, we've, we've, already, we've already put out all the money. We've already put the satellite on the roof. We've already gone through all the training. We've, we've done all that. All we're asking is for registration. And so early bird registration ends in July 11th, so you'll want to register before then. You can do that out front. Uh, as you leave on our website, there's a brochure in the, in the bulletin that you can do that as well. And the last thing I want you to see, I want you to see the, 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 the scripture that is guiding this summit. Lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. I chose the word united because in today's landscape of division and unrest, I feel like this is our call to action as believers. Because of his love, we serve others with kindness, humility, hope, unity, patience, and love. And this verse reminds us to be united together with one another through the bond of peace. The beautiful part about this phrase, glorious hope, is that it doesn't matter where we are as far as our gifts. Each of us has our own calling. Everybody's part is just as important as everybody else's. We are united in one spirit. God can use the summit to empower people, to equip people. When you work the summit with so many people, you realize that you cannot do it by yourself. Together is the only way we can make it happen. When I'm working, I want to make sure that I represent Christ with a sense of humility. When the scripture says, lead a life that's worthy of your calling, I think so many times that makes me want to work harder and try harder and push harder. Things can get very hectic. So much is going on, so much has to be done. It puts me in a position of living with open hands. But as I've been thinking about the word worthy, I think more than anything, it's God saying you already are. 
He's the one that makes me worthy. Lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. So there's the summit. So here we go. Can you imagine what would happen if our lives, if our relationships, if our marriages, if our community was guided by that scripture? Now listen, I know and I hear it and I get it. Some people will push back and say, hey, you, you don't know Pueblo. You don't know the big task. You don't know how big this is. You know what? You're right. But I know my God, and I know who he, who he is, and I know what He has promised to do. And so I'm simply asking you to join with us.